Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the podcast that celebrates all things nerdy and nostalgic, and most importantly, my favorite medium, video games. This week, we've got Liam Tuffy on the show. Liam, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. You? Oh, man, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'll say I'm a bit hungover. <laughs> but what I like to do when I'm this level of hungover is get something productive done so I don't feel like a total piece of shit about myself, and uh, that's what I'm doing right now with this podcast, so thank you for that. I'm pretty impressed, to be honest, because it's, it's Monday morning. It was Sunday yesterday, so that, that's a bold move, getting pissed on a Sunday night. <laughs> well, and you know, uh, a friend dropped out of uh, Harry Stakini's new gig out in uh, at Binary Bar. Oh, Castlefield, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he offered me the spot, and I live like two minutes from there, so it's really tough to say no to. Oh, yeah, you, you can't say no to that, can you? Mm-hmm. And then I'd had, a, I'd had a day of work, so me and a buddy were just already drinking at a pomona brewery shout out to the good craft beer <laughs> and he's like i'll watch you do comedy and i'm like ah now we have a night planned <laughs> things escalated very quickly yeah that was a lot of fun though so uh where are you from originally though i was thinking i don't don't really know well i'm from a, i'm from a town called wallacey just outside of liverpool so have you heard of the river mersey no i've never heard of that Oh, like Merseyside is like the the county where Liverpool is, and I'm just opposite. So, do you ever see? Do you ever see like an idiot abroad with Carl Pilkington? Oh, I have, yeah. Do you ever remember? This is like this is from like the first one when he's like he's in like Jordan and he's sl- sleeping in this like shitty cave that over that looks at this like glorious like view of a castle. It's kind of like that. I'm on the shittier side of the water, but I get <laughs> the nice views of the Liverpool like. Uh, waterfront. Well, that's where I'm from. I, I live in Liverpool now, but um, yeah, I'm from Wallasey. Right. It's funny because you don't have the classic like Scouse accent that I would attribute to Liverpool. But does no one where you're from have that? Uh, it's we're kind of like we're looked down upon in Liverpool. They call us wolves, a wool, which <laughs> means woolly back, which means sheep shagger because we're outside of the city. Oh man, um, as as a Welshman, I uh, feel your pain with that one. <laughs> we also get called plazies, which is plastic scouser. Um, <laughs> Yeah, basically, to, to to everyone else, we're, we're scousers, but to scousers, we're, we're scum. That's how it works. Right, yeah. No, no, my, the city I'm from is sort of like that with the surrounding cities. But uh, that's fun, man. And uh, how old are you? Me? Oh, I'm 30, mate. I turned 30 this year. It was a bit existential for me. Oh, man. I had a similar thing last year. I turned 30 right in the lockdown. It was weird. Oh, lockdown, that must have been... T- I mean, it's just... Th- it, like, I, I was still... It wasn't full lockdown, but I couldn't go out. It was in March, so it, we were still there were still restrictions. Like nowhere was open, so it was just that kind of like depressed feeling of like oh, I can't even yeah go out properly with my friends like to celebrate it. But it was more just the fact that it's it's always the turning. It's always going into a new bracket, isn't it? I'm in a new bracket now. I just feel like even though I'm still young doesn't feel that way anymore i feel like i'm past it like the arthritis is going to start setting in soon yeah it's funny when people just say like oh you're still young it's like yeah but you're just comparing me to old people like <laughs> that, that's it exactly yeah yeah of course i am if you're 60 of course i'm young mm-hmm. but to, to, but i can't go to a nightclub now without feeling like the oldest guy there <laughs> yeah completely it's so weird i was asking your age not for no reason by the way but just to gauge uh what your video game references would be Okay. Because it's funny, like, it, the two years makes, like, all the difference, like, a, a lot of the time. I know, like, I, I kind of, like, so my, I don't I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of where you're going, but my starting point, my, like, entry into video games was the Sega Mega Drive. That was as far back as I go. Oh, but, yeah, I was going to ask for your video game history. I, I, yeah. Uh, Tom Short, a few weeks ago, I'm pretty sure, was also the Sega Mega Drive. I feel like that, it was way bigger in the UK than, uh in north america really that's surprising like I, it had a different wasn't it the genesis in america it was the genesis but more often than not like nine times out of ten uh, kids were playing super nintendo at this point you know i had one friend in primary school who had like the the original nintendo in fact two friends in primary school that had the the, the it was it just called the, the the nintendo entertainment system the first one yeah the nas classic 
Yeah, and it was just like this bulky monstrosity. I remember seeing the game cartridges compared to like the Sega Mega Drive and being like, why is that so big? Mm-hmm. Um, but then the Super Nintendo, that was awesome. My cousin had one of those. I was jealous. I'd probably, I would probably would say the Super Nintendo was better than the Sega Mega Drive. It was just kind of like, I think it was kind of affordable, to be honest. Um, most people I know had a Mega Drive. Honestly, it's a comparable system to the Sega. It's just the game library made all the difference. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. But I mean, if you if you were to ask someone like of 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 my, how old are you, mate? I didn't ask how old you are. Sorry, thirty one. So I got you beat by just a year. Yeah. Oh yeah, you did say that. Sorry, didn't you? Um. Yeah. So like people our age, if you were to ask them like games as a kid, like the first games, it probably would be Sonic the Hedgehog and Streets of Rage, both from the Sega Mega Drive. Mm-hmm, but that's what I mean. I notice it way more in Europe. It's like. I just think it made a bigger splash, maybe. Sonic was definitely bigger than Mario when I was a kid. Not the case now, but that's how it felt then. Mm-hmm. And now they're working together. <laughs> yeah, games doing together. their own Olympics and shit. <laughs> what a weird concept for a go- Who wants to play Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games? I mean, I don't think it was like a white, well-received game. Uh, <laughs> well, it got a sequel, didn't it? At the Winter Olympics or some shit like that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have thought anyone would want to play Mario Golf or, like, Mario Tennis. But those are, bi- like, I think they just throw shit at the wall sometimes and see what sticks. Yeah, it's pro- what's ne- what's going to be next? Like, Mario Business and Accounting? He's just sat at a desk <laughs> for seven hours. Yeah, probably. But there's so many weird games where I'm like, why, why would anyone even think, like, farming games are their own fucking, like, little corner of gaming now. <laughs> Goat Simulator, that's like, why does that exist? And isn't it popular as well? Oh, Goat yeah. Goat Simulator. Yeah, I've never played that one, but uh, I've seen one where you're a duck and, and you just go around like harassing the townsfolk. <laughs> like, oh, I've heard about that. That's actually supposed to be quite good. That's what Is I've that heard the too. Goose, the Goose one or something? It's got an, I can't think of what it's called. I think it's literally called like Unnamed Goose Game or yeah, something like it. that. Yeah, that's it. Untitled Goose Game. Yeah, I've, I've heard that's good. Yeah, I, I have will too. never play it. But yeah, no, I love that about games. There's a there's a definitely a, ver- a variety. Um, but you know, this game we're going to talk about today, I'm very excited about. Uh, why don't we just get right into it? Because I'm worried right from the top we're going to go over talking about it, you know? Yeah, go for it. All right, Liam Tuffy, this is the game of your life. Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, an action-adventure game developed by Naughty Dog and published by Sony. Released November 20th, 2007 in North America and December 7th in Europe, it went on to critical success cited for its voice acting, character, and story, plus the musical score. The game sold over 1 million copies in the first 10 weeks and was one of, it was the first in what would go on to be a four-part series. Liam, why was this the game of your life? Because you were pretty adamant about it. Yeah, it was. A t- it, it was. A, I was adamant about it to you, but it was a tough call. I've got like there's there's loads of games that mean certain things to me throughout. Uh, obviously, my time of playing video games, but I think the reason why I went for Uncharted is because I'd always I'd had like so I had like a I had the Sega, and then I went on to the PlayStation One, the PlayStation Two, and and I I played games, but I, I would never have considered myself a gamer. I just kind of like dabbled. I I, I barely completed any games like i just kind of like would play them for a bit lose interest move on to the next one or play multiplayer games with friends but uncharted was kind of like i I remember seeing a friend's playstation 3 and seeing some footage from uncharted and thinking it looked good um saving up money from like a part-time job that paid me like three pound 47 an hour um to, to to buy a playstation i remember it was like 310 pound which was a lot for me yeah. at the time for the PS3 and Uncharted bundled with it and it was like one of the first games I'd ever played that I didn't put down I I, I kind of played it as you would watch a movie like I it was the first game that ever like hooked me in like that it was the first game that I ever actively like got lost in the story and, and wanted to complete and then from the, from then onwards I, I have been like a completionist like if I get a game I'm gonna finish it and I'm gonna in, like I want, I want to get my money's worth. I want the whole story. That's Whereas sick. Prior, prior to that, I wasn't. Yeah, because this game, uh, I don't know if 
any game had really nailed it before this, but that that interactive movie feel, I think, is what this game is just cited for. And, yeah. and like, it really does, like, I, I played this over lockdown, and it was the first time I'd ever picked any sort of uncharted up. I'd always heard about it, but I sort of, I was weirdly like a video game snob in the mid-2000s, where I only liked the, the really RPG-intensive style games that were coming out around this time. Like, that, that... That's sorry. Sorry, I was just gonna say RPGs are games that I love the look of, but I, I, I can't like, and I, I kind of need to know that there's gonna be some sort of end point. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I can't play a game forever, and I think that's why Uncharted is suited to me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was gonna say like I, I would like thumb my nose at the idea of a linear game where the same thing happens every time you yeah. play it at this point. And I guess just growing up and I realized, like, oh, there's a whole bunch of, like, really great game series that I just passed over because I was sort of being a snob. And, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll give this one a shot because I was just playing through everything that I had during lockdown. And, yeah, it's great. It's I was the same as you. I think I beat it in only a couple of days. It's only an eight-hour game the first time you play it. Um, but just the way it's paced, it sort of, like, pushes you to keep going forward and... Yeah. It's really easy to just beat in a couple sittings. I, I thought it was great. And the the fact that it came out 14 years before, and granted I was playing the remastered version, but it held up like surprisingly well for a game. I definitely think like the story holds up. Because I, I also, not in lockdown, maybe like a year before the, the, the pandemic, I replayed the uh, remastered trilogy before playing Uncharted 4 for the first time, just to kind of refresh my memory of the the story and um i remember going back to it after having you know because when because i played it when it first came out so at the time it was kind of like the pinnacle of that type of game at that time and obviously there's been so much development since then so the uncharted 2 and uncharted 3 improve upon the first one in terms of like um you know graphically and mechanically like the, the gameplay elements the controls are even better so i i was like um i thought that it might not hold up going back to it but it surprisingly did i mean yeah th- th- it is more repetitive than later installments but only with hindsight um i i, I still think like the story's great and the characters are, 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 i don't know if i'm jumping all over the place in terms of <laughs> how you want to talk about the game boy no no it's you're you're doing good but uh yeah i always do start with the story and the characters and for this one i almost wanted to go like a beat by beat through the story and you can sort of just like comment on things as you remember them and yeah, sort of like they bring up certain points. So you are Nate Nathan Drake in this game. You're the main protagonist. And yeah, he's yeah, what would you say about this guy? Is a good looking, well to do dude, sort of looks like an actor, but he's like a treasure hunter. Yeah. And he's very likable, isn't he? He's, he's, he's got it's 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 the dialogue as well in the game. He's very quippy. Um I'm I'm a big fan of that. But what I kinda liked about Nathan Drake as well is like from the get go you're told like he claims to be a descendant of Sir Francis Drake, the explorer, and that's like what sort of it's kind of alluded that that's what set him on the path of like being like a kind of like a fortune hunter. Um, mm-hmm. But you'd never know if that's it's kind of implied that it's because it, he kind of gives off con man vibes. You don't know how true that is through the whole right game, and then until it's later like proven, yeah. And you start the game, you're basically, like, you found some old coffin, and you're on some, like, shitty-looking boat. It looks like a fishing boat, almost. Uh, and you're joined by a documentarian, Elena Fisher. She's just a great character throughout this game. She's sort of, like, it's almost cliche in a way, because she, like, doesn't like Drake at first, and then through their wacky adventure, they come to, yeah. you know, like each other. But I just thought she was a well-written character, you know? Yeah, she's like. I mean, considering she, so what? What she's in, she's like an investigative reporter, isn't she? She's like mm-hmm. there with Drake to um, just document his find, and um, I think she's like a badass character. She gets right involved in the action. Um, yeah, completely. And speaking of the action, it happens right away because you open the coffin. There's no body there. Instead, there's a diary telling you to go to El Dorado, the city of gold, and then you're immediately attacked by like wave after wave of pirates like boat pirates and this sort of teaches you what the combat of the game is going to be like pretty early on yeah you're just trapped on a boat getting shot at just with nothing but a pistol just relentlessly murdering people that's something that takes me um that 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 i find like as much as i like nathan drake as a character and i find him funny and i like playing as him 
he is a mass murderer. He just kills people <laughs> indiscriminately. <laughs> yeah, they, you just happen to be on this island looking for gold, even though you that's did. what I'm doing too. Like, eat a bullet. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the whole game is just you like that should be the description of the game you are the, a mass murderer and there's some treasure and stuff as well yeah uh so once you get past this you meet your friend sully he's maybe like it, it's again it's weird because you've seen all these character archetypes before but they're just done really well and like the sully is the same he's sort of the older guy who's he's not into all that you know jumping around stuff but he's just there to find treasure and you can tell he's been doing this for a long time you know he's kind of like the mentor character isn't he like he gives off proper mm-hmm. like he's cigar in the mouth command vibes doesn't he like you would want to play a card game against him i was gonna say if you thought drake was giving off those vibes this guy has that in spades he just like right off the bat i'm like am i gonna trust this guy at all or is he just gonna turn on me halfway through this game because <laughs> you can completely see that happening yeah, that, and, but that adds like another level to it, doesn't it? Like how how, you, how trustworthy are these people? It makes the story more compelling. Mm-hmm. So Sully and Drake immediately ditch Elena once they realize that she wants to come along to sort of like report on everything that they're finding. And they're like, ah, we don't want a bunch of people becoming treasure hunters, so we'll leave you here. And they end up, because uh, they're trying to like complete this diary it's got a missing page that is i think the treasure map that tells them specifically where to go and it's cool because you're walking through the jungle and you end up on this giant like nazi u-boat from like the 40s that got stuck on like a waterfall like the top of a waterfall almost it's a really just cool aesthetic that you wouldn't like expect it's it's the what i what i like about the the levels as well on 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 uncharted is it's just so seamless is there even there's no loading screens is there Oh, it's the initial loading screen at the start, but as you're just moving from sort of chapter to chapter, you're seeing that like it just kind of comes up like dead cinematically, like the chap chapter number and the name of the chapter, but the gameplay just carries on. So, just going from like the boat to the shore to then this lovely like jungle landscape and having to f- just f- figure out what what's going on and where you've got to go. It's been a while since I've played it, so the U-boat is that kind of like ha- like hanging off this waterfall yeah basically it, it has like a dangerous sort of vibe but it's like rusted over um and yeah this is basically where you meet the game's main antagonist uh gabriel roman he's like sully even more so in that degree of just slime ball creep vibes yeah definitely like the have you ever seen scarface yeah He's like the guy that gives Tony Montana his first job, just that like sleaze ball, Miami club owning. That's what that's the vibes I'm getting off this Roman guy. Yeah, completely. And he's also got his buddy Navarro, who seems more just like his right hand man. And I don't know, I I forget how they found you. They just knew to come to where you were in the middle of this jungle. Uh, and then they confront you and steal the map you just found, take your shit, and they even shoot Sully in the chest. And uh, that. At that point, Drake being sort of the, you know, the one for all, all for one guy he is, just runs into the jungle and leaves his pal behind. I, he does just abandon him, doesn't he, and leaves him for dead. He's like, doesn't even check that he's dead. He's like, he's probably dead. I gotta yeah. go. <laughs> Joe, I remember being gutted as well because the short time you spend with him is enough to like the character and be invested in the character. I remember being good yeah. like, oh fuck, he's dead already. But I also thought, I'm like, once they don't explicitly show, like, a corpse, it's sort of, you know, I've played enough games to know where this is going. I just kind of like, I, I I like the way that I, I knew enough about him to like him at that point, considering it's so early on in the game, because as you're wandering through these places, it's just the conversations that they have just give you, like, peeks into their sort of relationship, doesn't it? That's kind of how a lot of the storytelling is done. It's like the characters conversing as you... Because it's very rare that you're Nathan Drake on your own. Yeah, I never really thought about that, but you're totally right. And to that point, as you're running away, you run into Elena, who'd sneaking herself onto this island somehow. And like you said, it, it just sort of seamlessly goes into the next scene. It's funny because this whole game, I don't think it's like a day passes. Like, they're not sleeping <laughs> at all. It's just like one prolonged adventure. Yeah, it is though, isn't it? Yeah. And they get on a plane. Once again, the details are fuzzy. I forget where they found this plane. That might be the one Elena took to get to the island, but... I think it is. I think it is. I think it's Sully's seaplane. He's got like one of those seaplanes, hasn't he, that has the... Um... 
like the skis on the bottom of it. Oh, right. And obviously, since Sully is just presumed dead, they steal his plane and leave him behind. Yeah, fuck that guy. On this island. <laughs> he left the keys in the plane, get in. <laughs> yeah, and it's hilarious. So you're you're basically going to the island of Dorado. Uh, I forget, again, why. I think you're attacked and the plane crashes. So you're immediately separated from Elena. And this would be the longest probably stretch of game where you're just alone by yourself when you first get to the island. And I remember like the, the it, I think, is it, is it Berm? I, I don't know where, where, where it is. Um, I can't remember the name of the island, but it, it, it is a real island, I think. Um, but I just love the way that you like, you, you just, it feels what, aimlessly wandering like you're aimlessly wandering but obviously like you said earlier it's a linear game there's a set path but you get you're given just enough kind of movement to feel like you are exploring Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny because i think people get wrapped up in like the idea of open world or not open world but like if an area is big enough that you can explore that's usually enough and uh while we're talking about that there actually is i found my first piece of treasure on that u-boat from earlier but throughout the game, if you're, like, looking carefully enough, you'll just find treasures throughout the thing. I think there's 60 in total. Yeah. And I think that's just a great addition. Just keeps you on your toes, keeps you looking around, makes you want to explore. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it, too. And I, and I liked trying to comb every corner to find treasures. And you never do. Well, I, I never do find them all. But um, I mm-hmm. did enjoy it. And I remember, I do, if I remember clearly, one of the treasures is an an egg from Jack and Daxter, which is like a nod to an older Naughty Dog game. That's like the developer of Uncharted. Oh, I love when games do that. Yeah, me too. Like I, I like I recently played The Last of Us Two, and mm-hmm. there's like a, a, you can go, you go into like an old like that's like a big po- post apocalyptic, um, like kind of zombie-ish game. Zombies are a bit weird in it, but yeah, you're, you're in a city and you go into like a bank vault and you you pull a ring, but it's Drake's ring that he wears around his neck joe daddy because that that's oh awesome that's how he found the coffin isn't it the coordinates on the the ring that on 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 francis drake's ring that he wears around his neck well no because he he only gets the ring once they find francis drake's corpse way down the road oh shit like it's around it's on him yeah and drake leaves drake actually leaves the ring on the body but elena takes it basically being like oh okay you'll want you'll want this yeah (laughs) you should probably keep this you know insanely valuable family heirloom yeah i was sort of annoyed though because i I, once i found the treasure on the u-boat i'm like oh i didn't know there was treasure in this game and i haven't been looking (laughs) for it at all and then once you're just off that first island, like there's no going back in this game. Yeah. It's not like your levels you can go revisit. It's like that area is gone forever, and so is any treasure that might have been yeah, on it. Unlucky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you end up imprisoned by Eddie Raja. He's a gang leader on this island who's already. I, I forget if it's clear that he's working for Gabriel Roman at this point, but he I, is. I think it's and... ambiguous at that point, but they have a history, don't they? Like, Drake knows who he is. He's kind of like a rival of his. Yeah, and I was going to say that earlier, just with, like, the intro at the boat. I sort of love that they have this character already fleshed out and sort of full, and then they just drop you into the middle of his life as him with no real, like, the explanation occurs as you play the game, sort of like you said earlier. I wonder what, like, just thinking about that as well, like, the characters that he does know, you know, like, is from, from his past and stuff, like, like Eddie... At what point does Drake decide whether it's okay to murder a guy without speaking to him? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because you were saying that, but like there is a there is like a, a few moments in this game where like death feels important, and I'm like, well, I guess this character means more than those hundreds <laughs> yeah. we mowed down on the way to get there. If you've had a conversation with Drake previously, then your death will probably matter. If not, nice to meet you. Get out my way. I'm looking for. Yeah, you shouldn't have been a pirate. <laughs> Um, but I remember Elena breaks you out of this jail cell by like, it's like literally Eddie is taunting you with the key at your cell and then Elena like drives a car from behind and you just like leave with her. Um, again, showing that she is a badass, like you said earlier. Unexpected as well. You're not expecting that happening. So when it does, you're like sick. Yeah, it's cool. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, Elena shows you the footage that she took of Sully getting off the plane with Gabriel Roman, and she's sort of alluding, like, hey, your friend's a piece of shit, She's he's working with this guy. When I'm like, in hindsight, you left him there with these guys. <laughs> yeah, it's true. 
but but it also it's like what you said earlier about you don't know you don't know how these people know that Drake was there. So then you're also thinking like has Sully been feeding them information about this the whole time? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you find out that the island through a conversation with Eddie and uh, Gabriel. This is a, a bit later down the road. Um, you find out the island has this curse on it. And right away, when whenever a curse is brought up and shit, shit like this, I'm like, is this a real thing or is this just superstition or whatever? But because it's a video game and not reality, this turns out to be a very real curse. Uh, and then you actually see Eddie later on, once you get into a monastery, he's eaten by these like transformed mutant humans that live there. This was almost a, this almost stopped me from playing the game. Oh, why? Just because- scary? Right, so like as a kid, yeah, horror films. I watched lots of horror films as a as a as a young child, like primary school age. I watched like you know the Scream movies. I watched all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, and they kind of scared me at the time when I was a kid. But you know, I grew to. You, all horror movies are the most horror movies have the same basic formula. You got your jump scares. You anticipate the the scare. You shit yourself. You know, it, it's it. But it's okay. I could handle that. But as a kid, I had this unreal fear like horror movies okay i could handle them but an unreal fear of ghost trains because i'm in it i'm in the horror then even <laughs> if it's like a guy in a mask and it's a shitter's costume he's physically jumping out at me and i'm a part of that and it shits me up and video games were, were like that for me too like i couldn't play resident evil but i could watch someone else play it does that make sense yeah totally that's it's weird once you remove yourself from it it's like yeah. you're watching it as a passive like watcher, I'm perfectly fine. But as a player, the tension is so much for me. I get I I, I, could, I couldn't I couldn't. So as soon as as soon as these creepy ass mutant things appeared, and I was like, oh great, I can't play this anymore. Mm-hmm, I have, yeah. I, 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 I'm not going to jump ahead in the story, but there's a I'll, I'll I'll get to it then. But yeah, it was almost a game changer. I had to proper persevere through anxiety, and when when that initial encounter ended the relief was unreal but then i had this constant fear of when are the next gonna fucking crop up yeah because you know now that there's just like mutants inhabiting this island it really does like it sort of takes the game in a different direction not not that it hadn't been serious before but it was like okay now shit's real i I kind of had to adjust my play style as well because i am like because i i do i do get anxiety in like a conflicts on video games not so much anymore but then when i was just starting to get into video games i really did feel proper anxious during all like the uh, the enemy like i was dead calm during the exploring and the climbing and the looking for treasure but then as soon as there was conflict and guns were being shot i would like be as far back as possible i'd hide behind a pillar and i'd just pick people off so they couldn't get too close as soon as as soon as they started getting close to me I would sh- like shit myself. I couldn't fight like frantically. So <laughs> you said it takes eight hours. It probably took me a lot longer than that with that play style. But with these fucking mutant things, you don't have that option. You've just got to leg it round and shoot bullets and hope for the best. And that terrified me. Yeah, yeah. They're all like berserker mode constantly and they rush you as opposed to, which I like because you like, you need a, a varying amount of enemies in a game to keep it spicy. Yeah, of course. I agree with that. So you find out uh, by when you find your dead relative. What's his name again? Francis Sir Francis Drake. Drake. Yes, sir. He was knighted. So show some respect, Jordan. Sir Francis Drake. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you realize that he knew about the curse, and he was actually working hard to like further hide this giant statue coffin that everyone's going after, um, because he knew if it was taken away from the island, it turns whoever took it basically into a bunch of mutants, like you'd seen before. Yeah. I, I I really found that interesting. Like El Dorado, I was I was aware of because it's like a cartoon when I was a kid. It's like the Lost City of Gold, isn't it? That's like the legend of El Dorado. But that was like a re- re- revelation in Drake's Fortune that El, they they decided El Dorado was never a city. It was this one golden tablet. Hmm. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I guess in this case, it's the coffin of Dorado. Is it? I don't know. And I, I no idea why they named it that. But that it just turns out that that's that's been El Dorado this whole time, yeah. Right, yeah. What's in it again? I can't remember. Like, if you open it. Uh, so well, that's what happens here. You basically Gabriel and Navarro. There's this big showdown where they've got Elena captured, and they're in front of the statue, sort of being like, "Let's crack this thing open." And you're trying to be like, "Hey, don't do that." 
And instead, it turns out to be Gabriel Roman who meets the end of his days by opening it and inhaling the, like, coffin dust, I guess. And it immediately turns him into one of those mutants you saw. And he start, he runs at Navarro, actually, because it shows that you lose complete control. And uh, Navarro just shoots him in the head, and that's it for him. And then it does, isn't it? Can't isn't it then revealed that basically Navarro knew about this, and he's wanting to, he's he he he's really the figurehead behind it all. He's just been like playing this Roman guy from the shadows so that he can take this virus or whatever and sell it. Yeah, it's been his plan the whole time, and he wants to sell it as like a muted mutagen, essentially, as like a weapon. <laughs> Which is sort of fucked up. Just give it to like some terrorists or something. And even then, there's like like cool. There's the cool that we talked about, like the seamless transitions. I remember from that moment. There's like a sequence where like the the big golden like sarcophagus tablet things being like hauled out, and you're you're clinging to the side of it, aren't you? Or you're using it to like you're using that as a pillar to hide behind while you're picking off these the mixture of like pirates and monsters coming at you yeah you're doing that for a bit but then you're right they they have a helicopter plan to, to navarro's credit he really fucking nailed this plan uh, for the most yeah. part um, i mean maybe the boat isn't isn't a good idea right. very sinkable object to escape on right and well even but up to like having gabriel open the thing for him and then knowing that he's gonna die he really like thought ahead uh but yeah so you're trying to escape by this helicopter at one point, Elena kicks out one of the guys, like the co-pilot, and he's just like shooting indiscriminately in the air and ends up clipping the own pi- like his own pilot buddy. And the helicopter immediately crashes. Another plane crash in this game. It <laughs> feels like all the vehicles are a bit unreliable. <laughs> just boats, planes, cars, everything just gets blown the fuck up. Yeah. And also used inappropriately. I'm not sure that anyone who drives a vehicle in these games has a license to drive these vehicles. (laughs) Yeah, and your helicopter lands perfectly on the cargo ship that they were trying to escape to. Um, It's some Michael Bay shit here, really. (laughs) (laughs) It's sort of a crazy scene. And after, like, a short showdown, it's basically the helicopter's right on the edge of the boat, and Navarro doesn't realize that the rope attached to the sarcophagus is also wrapped around his leg. So Sully, Drake, and Elena just push the helicopter off the boat. And the, the rope that's wrapped around his leg just, it all falls in the water. And basically drags Navarro to his watery grave at the bottom of the ocean. But once you've killed so many nameless pirates, at least you had an incentive to murder Navarro so you don't even feel bad about it. Yeah, completely. It's just like a particularly brutal way to go, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, but he deserved it. Yeah. Oh, and I... And, and then a the happy ending. I misspoke, actually. Sully wasn't there this whole time, obviously, because Elena was on the helicopter and Drake jumped on. But Sully, right at this moment, as everything, like, hit, as sh- all the shit hits the fan, uh, shows up on, like, a boat that I'm assuming he just stole, and with a shitload of treasure. He's been spending this whole time just, like... <laughs> Doing what that everyone else should have been doing. It's funny. I it made me think of like you you know Aladdin right from when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know like they all everyone got caught up in that one big red jewel that you're not supposed to touch. But I'm like you're surrounded by just piles <laughs> of gold that no one ever thinks to take or does anything with. And I it, did not think about that at all, but that is so true. And it reminds me of this, like El Dorado. I'm like. Why not leave the cursed sarcophagus and just take the mountains take of other treasure <laughs> and just be millionaires? But that wouldn't be a fun video game, would it? No, but it just, <laughs> I, I just love stuff like that. Um, so Sully, yeah, smart guy. He gets on the boat, you drive away, and literally drive into the sunset on your boat. Like, it's a, the happiest ending you could imagine. And then that's, is that, that is, I can't, I can't quite, is that the final scene? That's the end. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, yeah, you literally, it's a movie moment, which is funny because we've talked throughout how this is just like an interactive movie, so. I think that's what I liked so much about it, to be honest. I'm always, I've always been a massive movie fan. Yeah, yeah, and it's unapologetically cliche in a lot of places, because, like, like, a game like this hadn't been made before, so they don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to story and characters and shit like that. As long as, like we said, they're perfectly serviceable, everything makes sense and goes together properly. And it's the, even after this as well that the series I felt was consistently good. 
like did you play the other uncharted games i got a bit into two and then i just lost interest again because again these aren't my really my kind of go-to game and i think something just came out that caught my eye and i, I never went back to it I've, I've been meaning to but it's strange it's strange isn't it like how we we kind of pick a, a lane and stick with it because it's 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 my perfect type of game that like kind of linear it's gonna take x amount of time it's very story based bit of you know different types of gameplay you know some shooting here some climbing climbing there let's uh let's just go into the gameplay here for because i feel like we covered the story and characters pretty well really only like five characters in this whole game by the way i've just noticed outside of the nameless pirates well uh, and the hundreds of people you murder yeah but like outside there's like three (laughs) bad guys three good guys that's pretty much it it's the it's the it's the interactions with them that tell the story as we were talking about earlier, isn't it? So you've only got these like like this handful of characters, but there's this like history between them, a lot of them anyway, mm-hmm. that you kind of just get little snippets of through the dialogue. And I don't I don't know, it's things like that that I I really enjoy. Do you know, like um, like because as you said, you just dropped in the middle of this guy's life. And then you're just given like little hints of the past. And as the series went on, you were given kind of more. You were even given like whole levels dedicated to his past. And I, I, I love, I love stuff like that. No, I agree, man. So yeah, you were just talking about it. A big part of this game is like leaping and wall climbing and just stuff like that. I, I think this game does it perfectly. In a lot of games where you're jumping from platform to platform, it can be super frustrating. Uh, this is like smooth. When when every time you jump, you can tell that like a path is being created. Yeah, specifically for that jump to happen, it's not like really risking it based on length of distance or whatever. They do a great job of like showing you what the path is on the climb without it like taking away from the realism. I know that we've just talked about crazy curses and monsters, but it does until that point the game does feel at least rooted in reality. It does feel like a real world situation. Yeah, the only thing I would say doesn't is literally like. The waves of enemies do become a detraction in this game because it, it does break my immersion. It's almost like like there's literally like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guys on this island all working for this one dude. Uh, like, I don't know. I just didn't buy it after a while. It just felt like the enemies were put there sort of pr- to prolong the levels. That was one of the toughest things going back to that game after having played the others in the series because they do improve upon the, the gameplay and, and the waves of enemies, the way the enemies behave, um, the types of enemies. There's a, there's a lot more variation and it's a lot fresher in in the, the further games in the series. But oh, that's good to hear. It is kind of like, they, they definitely learn from that. It's still the ca- same kind of like, you know, you it still, it still ticks the same boxes of like puzzles, climbing or free running combat mm-hmm. but the, in the third game they like kind of revolutionized the hand-to-hand not revolutionized like but they changed the hand-to-hand combat significantly and it's a lot more um fun so there's then you because because like i said i just stand back from a distance and pick pick them off because i, I did, never wanted to get into the thick of it because they do just you, you just you beat a wave and then another wave comes in and then you beat a wave and then another wave comes in and you're like when are you gonna fuck off and let me climb that tower like, yeah yeah i would have the problem of beating a wave and trying to push forward too fast and all of a sudden you're just surrounded by two more waves you didn't see coming um and but i think you played it sort of how the how it's meant to be played because this game really focused on covering and like waiting for waiting for your moments to sort of pop up and clip guys i I think it was like just built into the game but pretty in pretty much every battle you have an option to just do that yeah it's kind of like the pillars you climbed on earlier then become like the perfect cover or just like the perfect bit of wall just that hasn't crumbled away that you can take cover behind and things like that i I love like you know what i really liked on when you're climbing like big Sometimes the camera would pan out, and you'd see this like really good set picture. You know what I mean, the way the camera would pan in and out throughout like the climbing just kept it fresh. Like cinematic shots. I mean, we keep saying it, but that's how this game was sort of meant to be to be viewed as. It's like a movie. And if you fell off and died, it was so funny that the way he dies is so funny. If he falls off objects because he just kind of goes. Bruh! And then that it makes that noise, and then it like he ragdolls as he's fall crashing down the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the screen just goes gray, sort of like GTA. Yeah. It's like you yeah. are dead. No, I like that. And you brought it up earlier, but there's also brawling in this game. If, if guys ever do get too close, you can just have like a fist fight 
Which is actually pretty satisfying. Yeah. I found it like I found it dead clumsy in the first one though, and I never really did it. But as as it got as the as as I've said a few times, like say from Uncharted in Uncharted Three, you could even like disarm them and take their weapons and it, it, they they really improved on the combat system, but mm-hmm. it was still it was still cool in Uncharted, but they made it better as the series went on. Cool. Yeah, and yeah, and the only other thing I have here I mean, there was a bunch of puzzles. I didn't find any of them like too difficult. I like I, I if I don't use Google, I consider that like pretty easy on the puzzle scale, you know. And you you also have like the 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 diary that you find at the beginning gives hints and stuff and kind of like points you in the right direction with the puzzle puzzles, but they they they're interesting enough to keep you engaged, aren't they? They're not overly challenging. They you know, no, doesn't com- make you completely. want to rage quit. Mm-hmm. And there's also a bunch of different vehicles you drive in this game. I thought that was just a nice way to change up the gameplay a bit, keep it fresh, and like. They were they handled really well, like the ski do level you get when you're sort of jet skiing from one point A to point B. Yeah, the jets that was that was cool. Yeah. Same with driving cars and shit. At one point, you're just on the back of a truck, like mowing people down with a turret, like on on the back of a jeep. Yeah, people just coming on bikes, aren't they? And you're just absolutely wasting them all. <laughs> yeah. So from there, after gameplay, let's go to the graphics and the sound. Uh, really, probably the high point for this game. The soundtrack's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. Uh, like, I, I feel like a broken record with the movie thing, but it's like a full orchestral, like, soundtrack just designed to accompany every scene. Uh, it's really well fleshed out. Not, none of the songs are particularly memorable or stand out, but they're not there to stand out. They're there to just accompany this game and help make it feel like a full thing. I've got the loading screen song playing in my head now. That's kind of ingrained in there. I'm not going to embarrass myself and sing it on the podcast. <laughs> no, you're right, though. That probably is the most memorable tune from the... From the game itself, I I think the graph because it was like one of the it, as I said it was the first game I played on that generation of consoles like PlayStation. I've always been a PlayStation guy, so PlayStation Three was the first game I played on that console, and the leap from PlayStation Two to PlayStation Three at that time was unreal. And this was the first game that I'd seen that to me looked like lifelike. At the, I mean, if I looked at it now, I'd probably laugh. If I looked at the original, because of well, obviously we've come so far, but um. That was the most lifelike game I'd seen at the time, and the water, the water w- would blow me away. The ju- the jungle felt real, and that's the thing. Like that was the last really big leap graphics wise from one console to the other, because like graphics from PS one to PS two got like fifty percent better, yeah. and graphics from PS two from PS three got like fifty percent better, and then from three to four it got like what like ten ten percent better. Yeah. Like it's it's more it's more HD it's more smooth but it's not like worlds apart like in PS in a lot of PS2 games people still didn't look like people like the GTA games are like they look like shit uh, looking back it's easier to like it's easier to take the graphical improvements for granted now isn't it because of that lack of a difference like you were saying like the jump from two to three was so big you're like it's kind of like so say say for example it's not going to happen but if i lost weight and you hadn't seen me in ages and all of a sudden <laughs> i was skinny you'd be like oh my god you're skinny but if you were living with me every day it wouldn't be that big a deal would it yeah that's a really good comparison actually. You see, you're seeing it gradually so now, now don't get me wrong graphics are the best they've ever been they're only going to get better and they are mind-blowing but you kind of take it for granted because it's just a bit better than what it was last year mm-hmm. yeah and i'd only ever played the remaster i was actually going to ask you like is it worlds better than the original or did they just touch things up a bit I remember, so I my, my reference, because it's been so long and the last time I played it was the remaster, it, it's tough to comment, but what I do remember is that from 1 to 3, the, the graphics were significantly better. Like, <clears throat> Uncharted 1 was like at the start of the PlayStation's life cycle, and Uncharted mm-hmm. 3 was, sorry, the PlayStation 3's life cycle. Uncharted 3 came out towards the end of its life cycle so obviously you've got the when these de- developers are making games for these systems they're obviously learning and improving as they spend more time with them i think uncharted 3 pushed the playstation 3 to its limits like the fan would was was mental like it i was gonna say almost it's a bit of a criticism but a lot of the time like you could tell uh, areas weren't loaded until you walked towards them a bit and like you'd see sort of stuff getting clipped out and whatnot but it's funny because no matter what system you're on, there's going to be game developers pushing that system to its absolute limits. Yeah, and, and I, I do think that if you were to look at it now, you would think it was probably a piece of shit compared to what we're seeing. 
these days. <laughs> um, but I think the, the the lifelike graphics on on the faces of the characters and everything, I think it helped you like them more. It made them more like I know we've said this to death on this podcast, but the the, the cinematic movie feel is what really sets this game apart, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and it helps with the immersion, which is something I brought up earlier. Like when the waves of people take me out of it, it's like, yeah, the faces and the the voice acting I was just going to bring up is spectacular. Like again, it's just voice like an act, actual actors doing great work acting. I think they mocap it as well. Like, well, they have in, in definitely in later, but I'm sure they mocap it as well. So it's like a, a physical performance. The the guy. Oh, who, really? Yeah, the guy who plays Drake, his name's Nolan North. And that, that was the first thing I saw him in, and I hear his voice in everything now. He's like one of the just like voiceover artists, especially in video games. There's like that. There's like ten actors, male and female, that they tend to use all the time in all the big releases. Yeah, it's an interesting like way they get <laughs> sort of typecast. Um, but no, I thought yeah, all together when you look at the graphics that were cutting edge and still hold up to this day. When you look at the voice acting and all the music, throw that in. It, you have, like, a pretty complete, impressive package. Like, it's easy to see in hindsight. Because it's funny, at the time, I was like, I don't get what the big deal is. Like, because, again, not my kind of game. But it's very easy to see in hindsight why this was, like, a big fucking deal at the time. Yeah, I've had friends that I've tried to recommend it to, but obviously, after a lot of time has passed since it was released, and they'll they'll go back to it, and they'll be like, they'll, they'll play it for the first time now and they'll be like, yeah, it's good, but it's repetitive. Yeah, totally. Well, and there's a reason we talk about the first one and that leads me right into the last section I always talk about is like the legacy factor of this game, the intangible. Like what made this one so special and why does this one stand out? And like, like why would you want to review this one over a third one if the third is technically a better game, you know? I think it was just the, for, for me personally, I think it was just the the effect it had on me in terms of my approach to video games like the i've seen you've been doing this podcast and i I was thinking like what game i would like to talk about and there's 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 loads of games that i could i could pluck from the air like crash bandicoot was like the first platformer that i I played on the playstation one it blew me away Um, also naughty dog right yeah also naughty dog yeah which which is i think i'm i think i've been a big fan of the naughty dog games since then really Um, (laughs) yeah clearly (laughs) they're they're, they're probably my favorite if they're bringing out a game i will play it that's 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 where i'm at with with naughty dog Mm -hmm. um and then you know Spider-Man 2 on the PS2 was another big one for me. Oh, man. That game fucking rocked. But I think why this, I chose this above all, even though, like I said, you know, there's games I like more, like the Last of Us series, I'd probably say I like more in terms of, Mm -hmm. as a game, I I, I enjoy playing them more. I think the story's better, I think the gameplay's better, but Uncharted laid the foundation for those games. Uncharted showed me that games could be a cinematic experience they they showed me that like you you said like video games is your favorite medium it's 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 not it's not mine it's not mine and I, and, I, and i would probably if i had a spare couple hours i would choose a movie rather than playing a game for a couple of hours but uncharted was the first game that showed me that they can be just as good as or even better than than movies and and um, really like open my mind to video games and i've i've played you know, countless games since then, and I always try and make the effort to finish them and complete them, even if I'm not a hundred percent. And if it wasn't for that first experience with Uncharted, I probably wouldn't have that mindset, and I'd still just kind of dabble occasionally the way I used to. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's good for that. It is like probably an entry point for a lot of casual gamers for that reason. Yeah. Um, just the same way The Last of Us was. Would you say this game is replayable? Like, I mean, I guess you just replayed it, but is there much to... Are you going to find much the first, the second time that you didn't get the first time? Outside of, like, the treasure, maybe? Yeah, I mean, at, at the t- uh, now, there's so much choice. I struggle to rewatch or replay anything. You know, there's that much choice mm-hmm. in, in everything now that I, I'd, I would rather dive into something new than something old. So... With with Uncharted for me, it's replayable to relive a story that I love. Every like couple years, I'd, I'd I would play this again. But if I'd I after completing it, I didn't find an urge to go back and get all the treasures. You know. Yeah, me neither. I was sort of once this game was done, I was sort of like, well, that was fun. I doubt I'll ever play it again, but I enjoyed myself while I was here. You know. And that's the difference between those linear games and the open world ones, isn't it? 
because like you were saying you're a big fan of RPGs and stuff there's so much to explore and carry on and that's what those games are there for mm-hmm. um, but I, I think I, I, I do like the, the linear one and one and done's like Uncharted like so you asked me you asked me whether I'd replay it. it it is really a one and done and you can revisit it like maybe a couple years down the line like you would with a favourite movie or something so it still feels a bit fresh but probably doesn't have much replay value like a lot of games do nowadays. Well and like we said earlier parts of this game are somewhat cliche and it is like a very simple story like you you pretty much know what's going to happen when you start it maybe outside of the curse was a bit of a twist but it's like I remember everything about the game (laughs) already so but do you know there's a movie coming out? Really? It's being filmed, yeah. It's um, it's I I don't know whether it's in in production or post production, but um, it's like a young Nathan Drake t- played by Tom Holland. No, oh, I love that. That's perfect. And Mark Wahlberg's playing Sully. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, man. Well, I think we've pretty much covered everything we're gonna cover on this game. Uh, so it was great having you, man. Thanks for doing this. No, no worries, mate. Nice one for having me on. And is there anything you want to plug or get out there to the world before we get out of here? Um, yeah, why not? I've got a podcast of my own uh, called Tough House. I don't know how to promote it because we it's just basically me and my best mates since we were kids just uh, chatting shit. We use it as an excuse to see each other every week, and it's great. So, <laughs> um, we talk about similar things, to be honest. We talk about video games, TV, movies, pop culture, weird news, um, and our lives. It's not just a nice like catch-up. Uh, we have a laugh. We laugh a lot. Um, nice and do you spell that t-u-f-f sorry yeah so it's like my name toughy t-u-double-f and then house um my friend do it one of my friends who would do it with is joe stonehouse um so that's where the tough house comes from and i've got a third friend to do it with tom hunt but he's not significant enough to be considered in the title of the podcast <laughs> awesome man well thanks again and uh for me it's as always at funny jordan d I'm Jordan Ducharme. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at G-O-I-L podcast. And yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll get at you next week.